Welcome to The Collage, a production from Back to Work Collective. We connect the artist to the activist. We connect the political to the creative. We connect you to the actor. The musician. The painter. The photographer. The poet. The dancer. The writer. The filmmaker. The audience. We connect you to you. I am nasty like Susan, Elizabeth, Eleanor, Amelia. This is a white lash against a changing country. How stupid are the people of the country to believe this? More than four in ten voters say the other party's policies are so misguided they pose a threat to the nation. I know we have still not shattered that highest and hardest glass ceiling. Take your broken heart, make it into art. Hi, I'm Kamara McLaughlin. Today we are sitting down with a poet who performed in a variety show last month in New York City to benefit the ACLU. Then we'll take you to Chicago to hear what happens when a theater company can no longer perform the show that made them famous. But first, let's tell you who we are. In the wake of November's election, a group of artists came together in a basement in Lower Manhattan. The world was changing rapidly and they wanted to find a way to respond. We came together in a state of shock to support each other. We found the way we responded naturally was by sharing art. Lawrence shared a poem. I shared a poem! Amanda <laughs> shared a quote. Work is love made visible. Khalil Gibran. Nice. We printed pictures of us protesting, found images of protest art, and taped them up on the wall. They're on our website. You can look at them there. Backtoworkcollective.com. We formed a collective of artists to fight for a more liberated world. And we weren't the only ones. We saw artists popping up all around the city, all around the country, who were doing the same thing. We wanted to find out what other artists were up to, to hear their stories, too. We seek to inspire and educate listeners in America through the lens of responsive art. That's what this podcast is about. We are the collage. We are the collage. We are the collage. Collage. We are the collage. We are the collage. We are the collage. Amy Herman. I am a teacher. I am a poet. I am a human trying to find my way in this frightening world. And I'm, I'm here to represent the Resistor Project. The Resistor Project was a variety show that closed just a few weeks ago in New York. Put on by the Dirty Blondes, it was a response to the presidential election. Last December in New York City, I sat down with Amy Herman, a poet involved in the show, to hear her thoughts. I began by asking her to read one of her poems, entitled Nasty. I still don't quite get it, but I've got my socks on, and I remembered to brush my teeth, and my hair is long enough for you to know without taking a peek beneath my trousers, and my voice, and smooth, and sorry, and hip sway, and... I can sing to you about the kaleidoscope of the muscles in my body, but that's not why. I can give you a paper cut with the strength of my words bleeding through my organs, but you'll probably forget to listen. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm nasty, because my version of Femalia is like Lombard Street, all zigzagged and out of breath. 
You want me to stuff my feminist deep inside my pockets and fix you supper. You want me shaved and simplified. You want me pink, knees pressed, porridgey girl. On the other side of woman is me, buzzed tongue and vague, a feint of genitals and unfinished and easily bothered and trying, trying, trying not to apologize. Maybe I'm nasty because of what I've done to men, or because I used to carry along a cash register held tightly between my legs, or because I don't need you to like or swipe right me. Am I nasty because I am educated? Am I nasty because I am queer, or because I vote, or because I am pro-choice? Or because I am not in search of a whistle? Or because I do not smile because you asked me to? Or because I press my breasts down because I'd much prefer you to notice my brain stem? Or is it simply because you just don't know what to do with all this? I don't either. And maybe that's why I'm so nasty. Because I am more than just a symbol on a bathroom door. More than the color of Barbie dolls packaged like pills with the wrong portion size. More than a procreator. More than a billboard airbrushed and starved. I still don't quite get it. But maybe the point is we are talking about it. About what it is to be ourselves. Every version. Every twist that turns into a question mark. And anyway, being nasty is far more interesting than nice. Because finally, you're paying attention. I'm curious to know what the process was of writing this was like for you. This just came out. I, I, I was angry. I was angry, but also I wanted to channel my anger in a way that felt like I was doing something. And it's hard because I, I know that uh, a lot of people took to the streets and marched, and that's important. But for me, my, my march is, is my words and hoping to reach other people and also finding a way to articulate how I was feeling. And this was a way to articulate it. So it truly did just kind of unravel out of me. Thank you for being our inaugural podcast interview. <laughs> you can find links to Amy's work in our show notes. let's go to Chicago, where Lawrence Dreyfus brings us a story about a theater company in transition. You are listening to Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind. After an almost 30-year run, this is the show's final performance. down with artistic director Kurt Chang to ask why founding member Greg Allen had pulled the rights to the show. We were talking to him about renewing that contract. And then on November 30th, we got an email from him that said that he was 
not planning on licensing the show to us anymore, that he would be executing too much light with a new ensemble to perform throughout Chicago. But that the New York companies and the San Francisco company would continue too much light. We got that email and then an hour later, we got word from Time Out magazine that Greg had sent a press release out stating the same intentions. Why do you think he did that? He says in his press release that he was moved to use too much light in order to specifically fight against uh, a, a, a Trump world, a world where Donald Trump would be the president of the United States, and that the show would um, take on a mission of combating that directly. And do, do you feel like the show, as it exists through Sunday, doesn't already have a similar mission? We have a mission here to use neo-futurism and all the work that we create here to talk about the world as it is, to engage the world as it is, whether that's socially or politically or absurdly, and, and that we do that on a, on a very, at a rapid pace. We're constantly initiating new ways of responding to the what what our audiences demand of us, what the world is demanding that their artists do and respond to, that very much is in our mission and, and, our, inten- and, and our active ensemble's intentions. We meet every single month in order to assess how we're doing, how we're doing as, as, a, as a culture institution that serves Chicago, like, are we on point? Are we on the right side of things? And then how are we going, what, are we, what can we do better? And then we get together and say, okay, this is how we're going to do that. And, has, then those, and then those things come up. Has that discussion changed in light of the election of Donald Trump? There isn't any intention right now to attempt to, to change what we do based on Donald Trump being elected. The ensemble will address exactly what's happening in the world in those, in those plays. And every week when we write those things and pitch them to each other and choose them, we ask ourselves the question, do, are we timely enough right now? Is the balance of the show both political and, and crazy or absurd or thoughtful or personal? That, and that has been happening again for nearly three decades now. And it was happening all throughout the year, all the way up to Trump got elected and then continuing after the day that we found that out. She <laughs> owns you all! <laughs> Why do you want to see these plays so badly? It's because they're all good. <laughs> these are our best of plays that we love from this year as well as our personal all times. So there's some stuff in here uh, that is 28 years old. Wow. wow. Take note, take note. Here's here. Those plays are, also, uh, are fueled by a long, 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 long process of people holding each other accountable, artistically and professionally. That's just something I learned after getting into the company. I was like, oh, these people really care. <laughs> you know? And I full-heartedly believe that that's like the engine of like what makes this place really really special and great and 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 addicting in a good way and 
there's absolutely nothing about that that's going to change going into the new year. In fact, I think it'll become even stronger. You can see what they are up to next at neofuturists.org. So much for listening. You can join us for our next episode by following Back to Work Collective on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or by subscribing to our feed wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our website, backtoworkcollective.com. Special thanks to everyone who made this show possible. Amy Herman, Kurt Chang in the Chicago Neo-Futurists, and Danny Bradley. Thank you to artists throughout the country and to the people who created this episode. Rania Alvershuti, Lawrence Dreyfus, Sarah Eisman, Amanda Ghosh, Julia Levine, Nicholas Orvis, Rin Shaw, and until next time, I'm Kamara McLaughlin. Cool. <laughs> Phew! <laughs>